Well, Lord, we're here because we are searching for more than we have on our own. We need strength that we don't have. We need answers that we don't have. We need guidance. Uh, and we need a hope that we can't manufacture on our own. So, Lord, we thank you that you have sent Jesus to us, that he is our way and our truth and our life. And, Lord, we want to dedicate our lives to learning from him, listening to him, following him, every day we thank you lord for the salvation you've given to us and promised us through faith in him we pray in his name amen uh, well i want to welcome you all to faith westwood a church where everybody has it all together where nobody's in debt where we have no family conflicts and we only eat healthy foods <laughs> all together now not <laughs> Yes, we follow Jesus. We love him because he loved us. We love him for taking our sins uh, to the cross. We love him for the way he's changed our lives. But we are still weak. You remember that song? I learned it when I was a little kid in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. And what's the next line? They are weak, but he is strong. And I love that because a lot of times the best that I have to bring to Jesus is my weakness. So I'm going to take a little poll here about uh, our, our weaknesses, and you can just, uh, we'll, we'll vote by raising hands, okay? Can you do that? First one is, who here got moody this week? I know, ma'am, you cannot point to your husband. That doesn't count, so... And then, who had trouble getting motivated to exercise or cook or read the Bible? And you say, but I only have two hands. <laughs> who here found yourself blurting out without thinking? Some of you almost did it right now, didn't you? Okay. Well, I want you to know here, Faith Wesley, we are not the Society of Spotless Saints. We are the Fellowship of Flawed Followers, Right? We are not the Society of Spotless Saints. We are the Fellowship of Flawed Followers. I know some of you here, you wouldn't feel comfortable calling yourself a disciple. You know, I mean, because it sounds like you've got to have a certain level to say that, and, and you think about the, your flaws. But according to Jesus, flaws are expected. Being a disciple means that you belong to him and you're learning life from him. We have a theme verse for this series. It's John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Let's say that together, shall we? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are really my disciples. I didn't quite get that right, but you did. Uh, now, I hope that you'll write that down, take it home, take a little pic of it and post it. Uh, you know, another word for hold there is to continue. It means you keep on learning, you keep on following, you keep on obeying. Yeah, you're flawed, you have weaknesses, you struggle, but Jesus expects that. If you keep on following, hanging on to what he says, you are his disciples so if you will affirm that today and it may be a stretch for some of you but I want to I want to stretch you repeat after me loud and strong I really am a disciple 
I really am a disciple. How'd that feel? Huh? Today is the first of six Sundays in our series, Flawed But Following. And when Jesus claims you, he claims you flaws and all. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your blind spots, which by definition you don't know. He knows your moods and attitudes. Each Sunday in this series, we're going to look at one of Jesus' flawed followers in the Bible. And the one that we're looking at today is not one of the 12, not one of the top 12 disciples, but he's friends with them. His name is Nathaniel. So uh, I want us to go to that passage in, in our Bibles, the one that Kay read for us a little bit ago, uh, John chapter 1, starting with verse 43. If you're, uh, if you're grabbing one of the new uh, Bibles in the pew, it's on page 1063. And by the way, if maybe you just have started coming to our church here and, and uh, not sure you're trying to decide about God and maybe a new leaf in life and you don't have a readable Bible at home, then just take that pew Bible home, okay? You can have it. And if you're wondering, where do I start reading? Then I would just encourage you to start reading kind of where we're at in this gospel that John wrote, a biography about Jesus. Now, our passage begins with a, with a uh, conversation between Jesus and a guy named Philip. So, verse 43, if you follow with me, says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Well, where was he? Well, at that time, he was south in Judea, uh, and then he was traveling north to Galilee. Then it says, Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Now, I'm guessing there was more to the conversation than that, but sometimes the gospel writers give us the, the cliff notes version, you know, like, well, here's the bare bones of what you need to know. Uh, so Philip follows. Uh, he decides he's going to stick with Jesus and get to know him and watch what he does and listen to what he says and, and learn his way of life. I mean, that's what a disciple is, right? That's what a disciple does. And then verse 44, he tells us about Philip. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it says he's from Bethsaida, a fishing town on the north shore of Lake Galilee. And Bethsaida means simply house of fishing. And that's where Philip got to know the fishermen brothers, Andrew and Peter. And the more Philip gets to know Jesus, the more excited he is. This is so cool. Jesus, he's going to change the world. So he finds his buddy Nathaniel. Now let's look at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael's response, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? You hear the, you hear the cynicism? You catch the tone of sarcasm in his voice. Nothing ever good comes from Nazareth or Council Bluffs <laughs> or Canada or whatever your prejudice of the month is. Nazareth, I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. Did you know Nazareth is never even mentioned in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures? Can there be a place more forgotten and, and, and forsaken in all of Israel? I mean, I think their basketball team is named the Nazareth Noodleheads. I just made that up, just so you know. 
How, how can the Messiah come from there? Uh, I, so I, I, picture, I picture Nathaniel, and he's sitting under a fig tree, and he's eating his lunch of, of fish and figs, and he's, he's scowling at Philip for being so gullible to assume that the Messiah could come from a place like Nazareth. I mean, Nathaniel's cynical. He's a bit snide and sarcastic. He's stubborn. In other words, he's a flawed human being. But who else is Jesus going to find? Right? There's no use arguing with him, so Philip simply says, come and see. And Nathaniel's just curious enough to go and come along and check it out. He's cynical, but searching. I picture Nathaniel and Philip walking to the shore where, where Jesus is. He's, he's talking to some fishermen and their families. At, and if you'll look with me at verse 47, when, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, I can see him pointing, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, Nathaniel's the kind of guy who's not going to fake it. He won't pretend to be somebody he's not. And if he thinks you're full of it, he's going to tell you so. And true to form, Nathaniel responds, How do you know me? What is this, Jesus playing some kind of game? Is this a trick because I'm not falling for it? And then Jesus, and I can, I can see him leaning in. He says to Philip, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And I can just imagine Nathaniel's eyes getting big. How could this noodle head from Nazareth know this? And, and, unless it's a miracle. In verse 49, it says, he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Amazingly, Jesus chooses a cynical, stubborn, sarcastic person to be his disciple. He says, you're just the kind of flawed follower I'm looking for. Maybe you're skeptical sometimes. That's okay. The way I look at it, faith can always use a healthy dose of skepticism. Keeps it honest. Maybe you're stubborn most of us are. Maybe you've got a sarcastic streak a mile wide. You're not alone. You're just the kind of flawed follower Jesus is looking for. As a young man, Francis Collins was dismissive of any kind of faith, religion, any church. Uh, when, he, when he became a college student, he entered as, an, he called himself an agnostic, but it didn't take him very long where he just said, I'm an atheist. Uh, later, he enrolled in a, in a PhD program in physical chemistry at Yale, so kind of a bright guy. And he came to the conclusion that no thinking scientist could seriously entertain the possibility of God without committing some sort of intellectual suicide. To him, spiritual beliefs were were for the sentimental and the superstitious. Well, before he finished his Ph.D., Collins switched tracks and went to medical school, became a doctor. 
And he was profoundly struck by some of his patients who experienced terrible suffering. But somehow through their faith, they had a strength that he couldn't quite understand. They possessed a a strong uh, reassurance of ultimate peace. Well, one day, one of those patients asked him, Doc, what do you believe? And he kind of was caught off guard. He stammered around. He said, but I'm really not sure. Well, that got him thinking. And that got him searching. And he decided to visit a Methodist pastor who lived uh, just down the street. And he asked him, hey, can, can faith ever make any kind of logical sense? Well, the two of them talked for a while and, and uh, you know, the, the pastor listened to Collins and, and then ended up handing him, handing him a book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Well, he started reading and, and Collins learned that, that Lewis had also been an atheist. And, and here in this book, Lewis was responding to many of the same kind of questions that, that he had. Isn't God just a case of wishful thinking? Hasn't a great deal of harm been done in the name of religion? How could a loving God permit suffering? And how can a serious scientist accept the possibility of a miracle? Well, eventually, Collins was able to work through those questions. And at the end of a year or so, he he found himself believing in the existence of God, a good God, a personal God. And he started reading the Bibles, the Bible and the Gospels about Jesus. And he learned that, that the Gospels were written by, by either people who knew Jesus personally or those who gathered reports from eyewitnesses. And so he could count on them to be reliable documents. Well, one morning after, this was kind of a long period of time, and, and one morning he was out hiking in the Cascade Mountains. And he came around a corner And he saw this thing he did not expect to see. It was a beautiful frozen waterfall. Hundreds of feet high. And it just it just sort of caught him, knocked his breath away, and 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 just he was humbled by it and and moved by it. He said, The next morning I got on my knees in the dewy grass as the sun rose and I surrendered to Jesus Christ. Today, Francis Collins is widely known as the scientist who headed up the Human Genome Project, mapping out the the entire human DNA sequence. And he did so not as a cynic, but as a flawed follower of Christ. I'd like, to, I'd like to bring up Jamie uh, Rutherford now. Some of you knew that Jamie was going to share here a little bit today. Uh, you may see Jamie here just about every Sunday with her mom, Donna, and uh, Jamie's five kids. And uh, so, uh, anyway, let me get this going for you. Uh, you know, Jamie, I've seen you here a lot, and yet... I only knew tiny, tiny bits of your story until we got together recently and you, you shared that with me. And, and um, you know, this is a big thing to share it here in front of all these people. 
But uh, I, I'm, so, I'm so proud of you for, for being willing to do this. Um, but anyway, I guess what I'd like to do is kind of begin with the backstory because there, there was a time um, when you wouldn't have been here doing anything like this. Um, and tell us about, about some of that story. Um, well, I have hit rock bottom a few times. I've been in, in and out of jail several, several, several times. Um, I've made it to prison. I lost the custody of four of my kids that I'm in the process of getting back now. Um, and was really just lost. Yeah. So, seeing being in and out of jail a lot, what was it all? What was all this about? What was going on with you? Um, basically, I was stuck in addiction. Um, it's mm -hmm. been about a 13, 13 year um, cycle, um, and it's just I, I thought I was I could do whatever I wanted to, um, get away with whatever I wanted to, and. I didn't really think about my family or my kids um, or where it was making me go. Yeah. You know, you, you said you'd kind of been in, in jail. I mean, what, what are we talking about? A, a few times or what? Um, as many fingers as I have, probably a couple added toes, so about 10 to 12 that I can remember. Yeah. Um, it's kind of blurs after a while doesn't it yeah <laughs> yeah and then and then the prison time yeah and how so, did all that happen um basically it was um about 13 13 years ago um i was just hanging around with the wrong people um doing all types of wrong things i was um using meth um really really bad um and i that was when I lost the custody of my older son, okay. who's now 13. Yeah. Um, and then what landed me in prison as I was given a second chance to do drug court and totally blew it. I hmm. was doing really good at first and you know, doing everything that I was supposed to do. And then I just fell short and relapsed and I ended up back in treatment, but I was still using in treatment which was totally wrong. That doesn't work too well, does it? <laughs> Not really, especially when you're like jeopardizing the sobriety of other people too. Um, yeah. But I thought I could get away with it and then that landed me into having heart surgery. Um, and you would have thought that that would have been my wake-up call. The judge even thought, told me like, if that wasn't your wake-up call, then you need to go to prison. Like you need to get out of society and go to where you can't harm yourself anymore and so I was there for about 18 months almost almost two years my sentence was two years I got out a little bit earlier than that and that didn't stop the going in and out of jail did it no um, I was doing good when I first got out I was I mean I was living at my mom's house and then I would just kept coming and going coming and going and then I got pregnant with my my other um, with my eight-year-old Nicholas and then I had him and then I was at my mom's house and then I left and then I had my twins same thing I had them and then I left and you 
kind of bounced around a lot, and sometimes you didn't have a place to bounce to, right? Right. Yeah, there was a lot of times that I was living homeless. Um, there's t a lot of times when I didn't have clothes, but the clothes that I was wearing or the shoes that I had, sometimes I didn't have shoes. Yeah. Um, made it through a lot of winters with just surviving. Yeah. Been cold, been in the rain. and. Yep, I've been in the cold, I've been in the rain, I've had frostbite, I've had um, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you said I've kind of hit bottom a few times. At one point then, things began to turn. Yeah. What, what, can you describe to us what happened? Um, basically, in 2011 was my last time that I got arrested. I basically, that was my, my rock bottom. I was in, I was, I was doing good, kind of, but I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and ended up getting set up. And um, mm. I went to jail and was there, and then I got let out. And while I was waiting trial for a year, I went through some of the worst things, but they were some of the best things that made me just, like they were all these trials and tribulations that I went through. Um, and every one of them, it was, you know, I, I would, I was, like I was telling Pastor Steve, like I would pray from, to get me from point A to point B, and then I would pray again for point A to point B, and then I ended up... Like where to live or where to... Where to live or where to walk to. Okay. Um, that my faith got me from point A to point B several thousand times, and then... I ended up in jail for about 45 days, but it was like the most eye-opening 45 days hmm. of my life. And people ask me why two years didn't open my eyes versus 45 days. And I, and I think it's that whole entire year that I went through all these different things and all these different things that made my faith grow to where that 45 days was like, okay, you need to do something. And then it was um, when, my, when my grandma was dying, which was shortly after I got out of jail, after those 45 days. Uh -huh. um, sometime down the road, I was, I was working and I was a supervisor, but I was able to actually spend time with her. Um, and go to see her and things like that. And before she died, I made a promise to her that I was going to change my life around quit what I was doing, and get my kids back. Yeah. And during that time leading up to that, you'd kind of been hurt by a lot of people too, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. Was that I, part of that year? Yeah, I was probably hurt and mistreated by all of my friends that I thought were my friends. A lot of them were not my friends, but... Even the ones that were my friends, they just couldn't deal with me at that time, okay. too. So it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. So you had your, your grandma and your promise to her, and you began to 
kind of do some new kind of reflecting on your life that mm-hmm. had never happened before. Yeah. Um, and kind of looking back also about how you had prayed for God to take you from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And what, anything else at that point that you when, um, so stands out to you? Well, um, I know that another turning point too when I made a promise to my grandma also was um, when I got pregnant with Adriana, um, which is my fifth child. Three-year-old, um, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a promise too that I wanted to be with my kids all the time because it wasn't fair that I was a mom full-time to one and not full-time to the other four. And then it was weird because like right after my grandma died and I made that promise and I got pregnant, but right after I realized that, then I ended up moving into my mom's house with my ex and I lost my job at the same, or I got um, laid off. And it was like, it all fell into place to where it was like, okay, then I became a mom full-time to living in the same place as my kids and working towards, um, you know, being with them all the time. My mom was gone to where it was like, I was literally like a full-time mom. Yeah. So your mom has custody of the four older ones, right? So you were living there and had the kids and she was gone for a little bit so yeah yeah i remember you know when i first came here or shortly after that that your mom had gotten custody right. of her four grandkids and and but i didn't know all the all the story of it so tell me about how you know the role of, of faith and your your belief in god and and following and trusting jesus how how did all that kind of play into this for you? Um, I, it goes back to where all the things that I went through, I never would have made it through any of them if it was not for my faith, if it mm-hmm. was not for the strength of something higher. I mean, because there was times where literally, like, I have no idea besides my faith and besides God that got me from some of these point A's to some of these point B's. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, now, you know, we we see you every Sunday. I'm not sure, you know, it's it's amazing that we we sit here. We have no idea the stories that surround us. Isn't that right? And, uh, but... Tell me, tell me about, tell us about how um, your life has since then and and, uh, you know, what is it that you still struggle with or, you know, challenges you from day to day? Um, I guess the challenges that I have, it's not so much like, it's not so much the, um, like the cravings or anything like that. It's more or less the, like the motivation to keep moving forward or the, the confidence in myself, like, okay, I can actually do this. Or then there's times where it's like, well, I don't deserve, you know, like I, with all of what I've done, I don't deserve to be a mom or I don't deserve, you know, to have my kids or I did this, be, I shouldn't have this. And so a, a yeah. lot of times that's kind of what I deal with more so, so right. it's, you know. The motivation to stay positive, to yeah. keep going <laughs> forward every day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a challenge, I'm, uh, I imagine. And, and like you said, um, w- what about some of those people who hurt you? 
I mean, sometimes that bitterness can be a, a kind of a, a cage or a, a jail cell in itself. Yeah. Um, for me, it was just, I mean, I, I, I got hurt by a lot of people, um, but then I have to realize, too, that I also hurt a lot of people mm. um, to where I really had to dig down inside myself and just realize that we all have mistakes. We all have things that we go through to where it may not be because of me that someone was being, you know, treating me wrong or, you know, it could have been something that was inside themselves to where I just had to learn to really forgive people mm-hmm. um, and really just realize that, you know, they got, may have something going on to where I had something going on at the time, too. Yeah. What, what about f- forgiving yourself? Yeah, I had to forgive myself, um, which I'm still working on forgiving myself. Um, a lot of times when I see my kids, then I realize, you know, like, you know, I, I'm okay, you know, that I made my mistakes and just to move forward and mm-hmm. help others is how I'm helping myself. Yeah. I know uh, Vicki O'Hare was telling me that you had recently decided, yeah, I think I, I'm ready to kind of share my story with a few people. And uh, probably no idea it would tr- no. look like this today. No. Yeah. And that was one of my New Year's resolutions is a few other people were telling me, like, you need to start sharing your story. Like, not just your health testimony, but, like, your actual history, history. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I was praying about it and praying about it. And literally, like, two days after, Vicki would message me and was like, would you like to share your story at <laughs> church? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that wasn't quite the answer I wanted, Lord. But here we go. <laughs> Not yeah. really, but I'm like, okay. And then I was praying about it and talking with people before I even responded back because I saw the message come back and I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, yeah, I will. Okay. So. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Can I pray for you? Yeah. All right. Dear God, uh, what an awesome God you are that you uh, will snatch up Jamie and save her from the life of self-destruction and self-deceit just because you love her. And uh, you were there all along, getting her from point A to point B. And Lord, we thank you so much that uh, now uh, she gets to be with her kids and... and uh, Lord, we, we, we're so thankful to, to see the redemption that you have done in her life. Um, and Lord, we pray that you'll help her because life still can be a challenge. Help her, Lord, with uh, those times when she, it's hard to believe in herself, when it's hard to think she can keep going or for, to forgive herself. Um, to let go of the past and just move forward. So Lord, we ask you to bless her kids that uh, you will help them to, to grow up strong and happy and, and solid. Solid in their faith, solid in their identity. Um, we pray, G- Jesus, all this in your great name. Amen. Thank you. You know what I think? I think Jesus specializes 
in people like Nathaniel and Francis Collins and Jamie Rutherford. People who just think, man, I'm, I'm not good enough. That makes you just the kind of person he's looking for. Jesus said he didn't come to, to look for the spiritually healthy. He came to look for those who are spiritually sick. He, he wants you to, to come along and, and join his fellowship of flawed followers. And maybe some of you here today are, are kind of sensing, wow, if he can do that in Jamie's life, what could, you know, could he do something in mine? Maybe, that, maybe there's a, a new start for you or, or recognizing that, you know, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to, to be flawless. To, be, to belong to Jesus and to be his disciple, to be his follower. And maybe you feel he, that he's calling you, he's urging you, saying, come on, now's the time. You've been hanging back, let's start now, let's start today. And so if, if you would like to express that to the Lord now, I'm just going to ask you to join with me as we pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we are amazed that you chose a cynical, stubborn, sarcastic person like Nathaniel and so many more people. And Lord, thank you for choosing me today, even with all my flaws, with my hurts and my hang-ups. Um, Lord, you know I get into a bad attitude sometimes. I can be snide and snarky. But I want to belong to you. So, Lord, forgive me of my sins and work with me even in my weaknesses. Today, Jesus, I say I want to belong to you. By your grace, I really am your disciple. I pray in your name. Amen.